you get um Strack or yeah, Strack, he gets the rivet gun and he's shooting at him with the rivet gun. And you get a couple of point of view shots from the point of view of the rivets <laughs> flying towards yeah. Darkman and the ones that are missing him. And then he gets shot in the hand with it. And then he ends up getting the upper hand in this scene, no pun intended, <laughs> by uh, ripping his hand out off through the rivet and punching him in the face. Welcome back to the Great American Movie Review, where we review great American movies. My name is Kyle. And I'm Micaiah. This is a Movie of the Week-style podcast where we take turns picking films and we talk about them. This week was my choice, and I have selected the 1990 campy classic, Dark Man. Dark Man is about a scientist, Peyton Westlake, who, in the midst of developing a new liquid skin replacement technology, is horribly burned after getting caught up in the middle of a real estate scandal. The movie was made back in 1990 with a 14 million dollar budget and it grossed almost 49 million which in today's terms would be grossing 114 million on a 32 million dollar budget. So it was like a you know a decent mid-budget hit back in the day which is kind of surprising. For, what was it rated R? Yeah, it's rated R and Yeah, for rated R that's that's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good and once again it's before international distribution and everything. So you're not going to see yeah. this on any top box office lists, but it was a hit. It actually technically had two sequels that they made, although those didn't even really get proper theatrical releases or anything. Made to DVD, right? Kind of, yeah. Pretty well, much. Straight to DVD. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, they didn't have any of the... They also replaced Liam Neeson. Right. Yeah. They didn't... Uh, or, guy with France. the Mummy, as I recall. Yeah, and they replaced Francis McDormand. They have one of the other characters from actually this movie, but that character died in this movie, so I don't know how they brought him back. I haven't seen the sequels um yeah i don't really <laughs> oh uh durant yeah yeah i don't know if i have i think the second one is return of durant and then like right uh dark man 3 is die dark man die or like yeah. die harder with a vengeance dark man he's like something like that it's it's silly yeah he's like the one returning actor the guy who played durant so <laughs> but yeah yeah no, i never bothered with those because it's parallel universe dark man. yeah because this is so this is a sam raimi movie through and through which I've brought up Sam Raimi already a few times on this show. and As have I. Yes, and it's because I have a deep love for Sam Raimi and the kind of sensibilities that he brings to his filmmaking. It's extremely unique. There's a reason that people reference him as much as they do, even though he hasn't really made actually that many movies overall. But he's had an impact on the general landscape of filmmaking for sure in that kind of limited filmography. Yeah, he's definitely slowed down. I'd, I'd say he was very influential when it came to campy horrors or yeah. uh, horror comedies uh, back in the day. Yeah, because he was, of course, known and, for... And that definitely shows. Yeah, he was, of course, known for The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. The franchise that's still going. Yes, a franchise that's still going. So the Evil Dead franchise, he's just been kind of a staple of the horror genre since 1981 when the original came out. And up to this point this is actually this was his fourth movie that he did because he did two evil dead movies and in between those he did the movie crime wave which is his only movie that i still haven't seen well actually i haven't seen oscar great and powerful either but uh oh i've seen that you don't need to watch yeah it. i don't need to but i'm going to just because i'm trying to catch up on all of his movies i haven't seen i so. i'm i'm saying that for everyone else it's, oh yeah it's it's pretty subpar yeah that one looked like one that got kind of churned up in the disney machine so wait is it disney 
I thought Oz was uh, is I thought it was MGM. I think Disney's pub or Oz itself is public domain, so anybody can make an Oz movie. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, just mm-hmm. just the um, just the book that's based on as well as yeah, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's you've seen. There've been like lots of Oz movies out there over the years. Man, that was eighty five years ago. It was was it yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, just because yeah that so i guess disney decided we're gonna make a prequel which i was like okay weird but okay <laughs> um, well well return to oz uh wasn't exactly the best so no i guess i guess instead of moving forward you gotta move backward yeah i guess so but either way <laughs> that was his last big movie he did before doctor strange and i don't know if the 10-year break there and then you know was a his choice because he did move into a lot more producerial capacity roles. So, so when it comes to this is a huge tangent. When it comes to Doctor Strange, uh, the person who originally did Doctor Strange one was still on the books at to direct the second one, but he left because of creative differences. Yeah, Scott. If that Derrickson. makes a lot of sense, which it does to me, and hopefully it does to a lot of people. It it absolutely makes sense why the movie turned out the way it is. Right. I, I that movie as much as I do still enjoy it. I know you don't, but that it has deep flaws and i think it like Raimi was clearly brought on from from my perspective the reason i ended up enjoying that movie despite everything that honestly anybody who has criticism against it very justifiable but because i think that sam Raimi came in as a hired hand type director like he didn't have any real involvement in the actual script process as much you know in the development process the movie was pretty well developed before he came on board because yeah um so he just kind of came on as a hired hand and i think he infused still a lot of his sensibilities into it and seemed to have a good time making it at least from what i got across in the movie and i always enjoy what he brings to movies so i actually watched dark man after that one came out for the first time and because i was just like i gotta go oh back. interesting yeah i didn't I thought you had no i, I don't i thought you had Wow. Yeah, I don't have like a long history with Dark Man. I just it was one of those like I love the Evil Dead movies. I adore his Spider Man movies. I grew up on those. Because and... that's the thing that I noticed about uh when I whenever I went back to like see what people thought of this movie after watching it. A lot of people have like a great nostalgia for this movie. Yeah, I don't. I just love Sam Raimi's sensibilities and this movie kind of hit everything right for me you know i didn't expect a lot from it actually i just kind of thought it was going to be like okay this is him kind of doing his own weird thing and that it is definitely 100 percent same oh yeah like like if you were if you were to go back and look at it evil dead and evil dead 2 which i haven't seen the first evil dead i've seen the second one Mm -hmm. um that you can definitely tell it's sam raimi but it's it's compared to this compared to dark man evil dead 2 is reserved oh yeah (laughs) comparatively which is insane to me because evil dead 2 is uh, I, in my opinion, it's Sam Raimi's best work. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of weird. I mean, he got that, he had more of a budget for this than any of the Evil Dead stuff that he did. Until you know, I think maybe Army of Darkness had a similar budget to this, but which that one was a flop. No, I don't remember honestly, but I I can look it up real quick. But I'm I'm pretty sure. So uh, we talked about in in Pitch Black or in the Pitch Black episode some directors uh doing favors for the studios in order to get the projects right. that they want like peter berg i think it was universal actually uh forcing him to do battleship in order to do lone survivor which is a much better movie um and i think i could be wrong about this but i think sam raimi uh was 
doing dark man so that he could do army of darkness eventually and that's the reason why uh they got liam neeson instead of just letting bruce campbell be dark man i don't yeah i don't think that's the case the not letting bruce campbell being dark man that's definitely a studio that was thing. absolutely a studio thing but I don't think that's the case because Darkman's such an original idea for Raimi. Like, it's literally his idea. It's his character that he created. And so, yep. like, I, I, that would be true, I think, more so if it was, like, a big IP-style movie. But it was not at all. I could I could absolutely be wrong about that. I could eventually look it up and we, and we could figure it out. But what I do know is Army of Darkness had an estimated 30, $13 million budget and grossed worldwide $11.5 million. Oh, yeah, that's a big flop. So not great army of darkness okay so this will tell you a lot about where we're gonna stand on this then because mm -hmm. army of darkness is actually my favorite evil dead movie <laughs> so <laughs> okay. i i haven't seen that so i can't form an opinion on the first one or the third one i just already owned the second one so i decided right. to watch it yeah so... and also because uh my thoughts on this movie don't really reflect how i feel sam raimi as a director necessarily yeah so i really wanted to watch something else that way i could think okay I felt one way about this movie. Maybe I'll feel one way about another one of his movies. And I did because the, it's all subjective. Yeah. Because the movies that I had seen from him with this, with this movie specifically, absolutely. There's the, the nice things that I can say about it are the, the production money went to a good place. He has some really good practical effects Yeah, and some pretty good special effects for the time. I think a lot of it's dated now. Um, but if you're doing a comic-esque book movie uh, in 1990, it's absolutely going to be dated now. Yeah. So that's not really his fault. Some of the direction I like, it's that's just Sam Raimi. He was already fairly seasoned when it came to horror-esque or comedy, campy-style movies. So it makes sense, uh, all of his choices, even though I think some of them really are rough when it comes to just portraying a character or portraying a movie like this it it doesn't really come across to me as as well done i can't as it could have been this is one of those where i can't disagree with you however i love everything about this movie even the stuff that makes no sense because um this out of everything we've watched like we've been on a hot streak, you know, with some really great movies, but this one out of all of them, I just have a stupid grin on my face watching the whole. So time. I was going to make I was going to make an analogy. So there are movies, of course, that people think are so bad that they're good. I'm I'm not making this distinction immediately. I'm I'm saying that movies like The Room are so bad that people tear them apart so much that they find joy in it. I think that's the good that they find from it. I don't think it's I don't think so bad it's good. I don't think it turns around to being good just because it's so bad. I think it's so bad that it's enjoyable. Um Troll 2 is definitely one of those. I was going to make the analogy the way you feel about this movie is the way that I feel about Pitch Black, but I don't think that's true. The way you feel about this movie is the way I feel about Troll 2. The reason I would watch Troll 2 or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or The Room is with friends that way i could tear it apart okay but here's the thing i don't think this movie's bad i actually think this movie is good so okay i don't think that this movie's bad i think that there are things in it that no, no, are silly. I, I was making the distinction i, I was see. making the distinction so originally 
Okay. Uh, I was thinking because the way you feel about Pitch Black is you are disappointed by it, but you're okay that it exists, which is kind of the way I feel about this movie. But I would much rather watch this movie with friends. That way I can absolutely demolish it. Oh. Because it is it is absolutely stupid. Watching like, this. Is, yeah. Watching this alone with a critical mind is a foolish notion. It right. Is, so I mentioned Ugh. I mentioned that uh, the movie is about the okay the Liam Neeson is your main character here he plays mm-hmm. this scientist Peyton Westlake he's in this relationship with Frances McDormand and um, he loves her he wants to marry her you know but he's a scientist and he's developing this special skin this liquid skin but to for like skin replacement stuff but he can't get it to work it always after ninety nine minutes it always bubbles up and like dissolves. So then after this whole situation happens where you've got the evil corporation of Strack and their CEO and they want all of this real estate to build this new like super Which, city. Man, that's just thrown in for <laughs> literally two lines about the about the model city. And then he opens the door and it's just immediately out there as if she didn't notice it walking into the building. Right, right. I'm like, how did she not I'm, see I'm that? Sorry, <laughs> the this whole is city. Just, not, not, not just that. It's just two. It's just two scenes. They right. go. Not even two scenes. One and a half scenes. They go over the the real estate juncture as if this is like the whole stakes of the plot. Right. I don't understand any of it. <laughs> I don't understand why he has to pay off people. He does. They they don't bring in any characters talking about the payoffs other than Francis McDormand and and. St- Strack, his name is, I guess. Oh. Right. Well, and and going into another thing that's kind of weird is like, okay, so they realize before they have the this gang come in, kind of weird. <laughs> before they have the gang come in and like mess up his whole lab because they're trying to find this document Which, that actually. Why was the paper with him? I don't know. It got left with him on accident. <laughs> How? It's all just a big accident, basically, that happens here. But because they don't show that though, right? But because he has, it's it. just a payoff with no setup. Right. Well, because he has it though, either way. They go in and they bust up his place. How does Durant know he has and... it? How does how would Strack know that he has it? <laughs> well, because wouldn't they wouldn't they assume it's on on Francis McDormand's character? But what she said she Julie, didn't have Julie. it. Yeah, but she didn't have it. So <sighs> yeah, couldn't it be at her desk? Couldn't it be in her office? What? Couldn't it be in their apartment? Why does it have to be on him? Well, either way, it is on him, and that's where they go. Okay. And so right, they sure. literally blow him up, which is a hilarious, incredible shot where they blow up the whole like place that he works, and he flies out the top of the explosion after receiving all of these like horrible chemical burns. And, but okay, so but right before then, they discover oh, the lights went out, so they discover oh, it's actually the exposure to light that causes the skin to dissolve. So then throughout the movie, he's once he's horribly disfigured and everything, and he's dark man now, he's going around and trying to stop these, like, criminals and figure out, like, the people at the top and everything. But he, So he goes on and he, like, scans their skin and, like, wears their skin. So you would think, though, because of the whole dissolving in light thing, that he would only go out why at... Why wouldn't he do it at night? Yeah, why wouldn't yeah. he do it at night? No, every single thing he does in this movie is in broad daylight. <laughs> it's in broad daylight. Except for except for literally the last scene, which is dark, but he doesn't have any skin. Right. So, all right. 
it's it's just like it's stuff like that. It's like, wait, why wouldn't can, he do this? Like, there's not like can we, a. Can we talk about his plan, by the way? Can, yes. Can we talk about how? Can we talk about how Darkman? Uh, basically, okay. So he he scans Fat Bruce Willis. He, <laughs> which I don't know his name. No, I'm gonna I be don't honest. Either. Don't know his name. Um, so he scans Fat Bruce Willis. He dresses up as him, and grabs some money. And buys plane tickets, not with that money, by the way, he planted it earlier, buys plane tickets for him and another guy, uh, and then waits for Durant to come into the hotel and kill Fat Bruce Willis. And all the while, he's just sitting there, what, waiting for the bus? He knows how much time he has left on the on on the map. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but why not just kill Fat Bruce Willis? You don't need the money, clearly. You're, if you're trying to send a signal, you're not sending a signal. You're just killing a random henchman. They're not going to know it's you. I don't understand his plans at all. They don't make uh, they don't make sense. It does. When you they don't make sense logically. There's... When you think about it, yes, I'm sorry. When you have your brain turned on and think about it, they don't make sense. The logical flow That's... of things in this movie is just not there. So it's more so, like I said, on a pure just like what I, I'm enjoying what I am seeing, which is all presented in the most <laughs> it's the most glorious fashion that I just absolutely love. If you are a fan of Raimi's Spider-Man movies, there are so many things in this movie that he pulls directly into his Spider-Man movies in terms of shot agree, choices, but locations. I, it's funny, I don't like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man because of the shot choices and because of the visuals. Like you, do like you like any of them? I, I, I like I like the characters. I like the writing. I I like the general linear flow from one movie to the next. I don't I don't like Raimi movies because of because of just the shot choices. If I were looking for that, I would I don't know. I would look for photographers to be directors. Like, or like Eternal music video. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> exactly. Eternal yeah. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I complete Michelle, uh, I can't remember his last name, but he is a music video uh director first. And that's that's the reason why Charlie Kaufman basically took over. He was writing the movie and uh the director was writing it through visuals, and that's it. The characters of Eternal Sunshine were doing their thing by improvising and taking Charlie Kaufman script and doing something with it. That's what I like about like visual writing per se air quotes is that movie because of the fact that it's writing and directing and acting all put together in one. Yeah. I think that, that makes sense. I, I think that Raimi does focus on style over logic and he has, I think, a really great graphic style. We've talked about in Ang Lee's Hulk movie a number of times as a bad example. We both think of a graphic style. People didn't think about it then, but man, does it not age well. Yeah. Or this movie ages better than that. I will agree with that, but man, is it for the time. Oh, it's very much of the time, but like... It's just, I really love the graphic sensibility in there. And it's not always in a logical way. Because, you know, I think about in his Spider-Man movies, every single time in, like, Spider-Man 2 that it goes to, like, Harry's penthouse, 
Yeah. It is dark out and there is lightning. It doesn't matter that it's not raining in the scene. It doesn't matter that if the previous scene was well, there daytime. could be heat lightning. <laughs> I know, but it was every single time it was dark out and lightning. It's just fitting like a tone and an atmosphere that is a very well having an having conflict. an ominous atmosphere uh, pushes the writing only so far. If if the dialogue is crap, if the story itself is crap, if the characters don't make any sense, then all it is is just pretty lights to me. Right. I feel like this, I feel like, okay, so there's two sides, I think, to Raimi. And there's the big campy side, which is embodied, I think, most in his Evil Dead movies. And then there's... Yes, but, but Evil Dead 2 does it better. He, it does the campiness better, and it does the writing better. So... It's more I don't know contained. How to this one. It's more contained in that one. I mean, this once again, Which, this one. Has, I'm going to be honest. Contained, contained movies. Sam Raimi does better. I think that this one paints in more broad strokes, and I really just when I, you know, when I'm watching this movie, like I said, I just have a stupid grin on my face the whole time watching it, and like you get, you know, we talked about in Untouchables a little bit, some of like De Palma bringing in a little bit of pulp to his movies, and yeah. I, Raimi definitely does that too, and that's something that you didn't like in Untouchables when he well, went a little pulpier, and that's uh, something okay, that I love. But, but I, I qualified that with with the historical accuracy bit. The reason I don't, the reason I don't, uh, I wouldn't mind the pulp in in Untouchables if it was a different subject or if it was just an original thing or if it was a little bit the tone shifting was a little bit better because it it tonally shifted a few times that I didn't like but re regardless when it comes to this movie it's just camp for camp's sake it's essentially what Sam Raimi did was make a Sam Raimi movie 100% of the time all the time it's a bit like J.J. Abrams having a lens flare in 100% of the frames of his movie. Or take the Kentucky Derby and give it to Zack Snyder and say, slow this down so much that a 1 minute 30 second race is 3 hours long. It's it's him leaning into his director sensibilities a little bit too much for me. Yeah, no, I, I, what's, I get that. Like... So much so that I would... Alright, if Tommy Wiseau came out and said that the room he meant it to be satirical of romantic comedies. It's all of it was meant to be as bad as it was when it comes to like a director's vision. Would you say that it was a better movie then? Um, if you're asking me if Tommy Wiseau yeah, said so the if whole thing was the, a satire, the room would recognized the room be better? as a, yes, the room is recognized as no, a bad movie. It wouldn't be if better. If it came out, it wouldn't be better. No. If he said so that. if, if, if any other director had directed this movie and it come out, I obviously there is no director like Sam Raimi when it comes to this kind of movie. But imagine any other director came out with this exact movie. Would it be as well loved? Yes. By me? Oh, I disagree. Okay, completely. by but me? No, no, no. But if this exact by, by movie you, I came out see from another director and I watched from it? From anyone. Oh, I would love like it just as director. much. Yeah, like I just, this, okay. it has but the sensibilities But this movie would here. absolutely not... This movie would absolutely not be loved by everyone else just because it's like this movie. Oh, I mean, I, I sought it people, out because Sam Raimi people, directed it. Yeah, and I love right. Sam Raimi's style. But I think people like this movie because they like Sam Raimi, not because not because this movie's good. But it, I think this movie taps into why people like Sam Raimi. So, like, if you like Sam Raimi, not more so than Evil Dead or like Spider. -Man I'm not too. saying more so. I I do agree honestly that Evil Dead Two and his Spider-Man movies are better than this one i'm not saying that this is even my 
favorite of his, but I feel like this movie represents the center point. If you took all of my taste in film and put an exact center point, I feel like this movie is it. You know, I just, I really just kind of vibe with it more than basically any other movie that we've watched for this show. This one's like my essence, I feel like brought out. And like, I don't know, I just really like the campiness of it. But like, and the writing is also over the top and campy and it doesn't really matter to me what the story is in this movie because it's just kind of all facilitating that like early on you get like the first scene in the movie is you get like this gang meeting in a big warehouse and then you get the other people showing up and they're like basically holding them up and then that you get the guy there's like a guy with nunchucks and like other stuff and they have them all like disarm <laughs> and well, then... there's an uzi in a guy's leg yeah i was about to say when when they take off his leg he's hopping around as if he can't balance on one foot right he's hopping. i'm sorry but people can balance on one foot. right but i do like i do like the shot of of him hopping in the background after after the action's done and the guy sticking his arm out that way he can balance on it oh that i do like that is that is comedy. That is, that is something that is a joke that lands because there is a setup and there is a payoff. Right, but when it comes to the joke, there's but also it's few and far between. Like it's obviously <laughs> ridiculous though. He's got a fake leg. He comments on it. He's like, "You got a bum there leg." Are cars He's like, "That come out of crates as if they were waiting." Oh my gosh! Happen. Yes, it's so good. And you get also like you and I have very different like. <laughs> but definitions so, for the word good but it's incredible then later in the movie when they are at the scientist science lab you know and they're gonna blow it up and everything <laughs> when you see that which the, they can have guns no why, why is he still using the man's leg exactly Give though him back his leg no because you you see the shot and it's going around everybody has guns that they clearly just brought because they didn't have to not have guns in this scene and you still yeah. get the one guy his name is smiley the long-haired guy holding up the one-legged guy his leg as his gun it's like he forgot his own gun or something i don't know why he's holding the other guy's leg as a gun again in well, that scene Uzi. it's 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 a little bit more powerful it, than it doesn't make any sense and the guy's just standing there hopping again and it's it's so funny <laughs> just that's so funny i just love that stuff I, so much I, I i do actually agree i think like the opening scene and the lab scene are probably my favorite scenes, if only because of how absurd they are. And yeah. I wasn't like, oh, this is just going to be the whole movie, yeah. isn't it? Your introduction to Durant in that opening scene is like after they get the upper hand on the other gang. He's got the other gang leader's fingers and he's chopping them off with his cigar cutter. And he's like, I've got my third point. My I've third, got seven yeah, more points. He goes, yeah. point one, whatever, whatever. And then by the third point, he's like, yeah, my third point, I've got seven more points. He's already cut off three of his fingers. And so, yeah. like, it's like stuff like that that I just love. And this, I feel like, is the perfect in-between. So, apparently, Raimi was in the running to do Batman back in the 1989 Batman. That makes so much sense. It does. And Th but... this, this, feels, this feels a little bit like... Uh... Of course, it has Danny Elfman, so that doesn't help. But yeah, <laughs> it doesn't feel exactly like Batman. There are some shots, like like Dark Man standing on, on the gargoyles, like the, on the yeah, on the gargoyles. Which man, bad green screen there, but um, definitely like a Batman esque shot. Right, but it just feels like it just feels like Sam Raimi. He's got his directorial sensibilities, but it feels a little bit like he was trying to be Tim Burton here. Well, 
in some ways. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's what he was doing at all. I do think he wanted to direct. I it. don't think he meant to do it. I think. I, think I mean, it feels okay. Like he's it. obviously very passionate about comic book movies. He really wanted to direct Batman, obviously, but they gave it to Burton. And uh, if only they had given him Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. <laughs> and yeah, Schumacher. and then um, he got the spider-man job because of his passion that he had when he was basically selling himself to the studio they picked him because of the passion that he had for it is the reason that he got that job and i guess you know dark man i as much as i said dark man was a you know a okay hit for the time i i'm also not going to say that dark man's the reason that he you got spider no tripl- tripling your budget with a rated r movie in 1990 is a success i would say that yeah yeah having having movies like dark man like the evil dead movies and like quick and the dead and a few few other ones like a uh, simple plan which is great came out in the late 90s the only movies i know from from that movie oddly enough troll 2 came out that oh year, yeah that year. <laughs> um but uh i know tmnt came out that year and man I'm. I haven't seen that movie in a while, but uh, the budget is similar. I think. Yeah. I think this movie was like seven hundred thousand more, but um, the the effects kind of kind of similar. I think that's just of the time, though. Yeah, I've not seen the original but, TMNT man. movie, but don't don't watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it at some point. But, <laughs> Please uh, don't. I will. <laughs> I will. You can't stop no, me. No, because then you're then you're gonna want me to go over it, and trust <laughs> me, I'm not gonna be a happy boy. Um. Okay. Uh. Yeah, but I think those movies that he did leading up to that point aren't the reason that they hired him for Spider-Man. I think that those movies got him into the room where he could sell himself to get Spider-Man. Because, like, none of them... He hasn't had, like, a massive hit. He had a, bunch, he had a number of cult hits and stuff like that and some things that were financially successful. So, I think... And, you know, some stuff with even some critical acclaim to it. This was pretty well-received when it came out, actually. For the type of movie it was, it was well-liked. But... When you step back and you think about the plot points and you think about the logical stuff in it, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny in that kind of capacity. But when you're when you're watching it, though, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> I don't want Sam Raimi fans because they are a, they are a virile bunch to like come after us or me specifically for this <laughs> because I like plenty of his movies. But and I even watched Evil Dead too after this because I was like, I I'm don't know how i feel about this i'm gonna watch something else i haven't seen from him but yeah it's just it just feels so out of place to me um compared to even contemporary movies of the time that i've seen it just feels so weird but not not necessarily in a bad way not necess- not definitely not in a good way yeah. it just feels so weird i mean i love that this is a universal movie because i feel like this is a really good center point between what would come later with like comic Aren't book they movies? Are they making a remake? A remake of what the Dark Man? No, I don't know, but I didn't think so. I think they, they, I think they've gone on and off announcing it, but I think in 2022 they they yeah. said that they were going to reboot it. Well, which, given Universal and all their all the big industry track records for uh, remakes and reboots, yeah, I'm gonna say it's not gonna be that good. We'll see. Um... Well, either way, like I really think that it fits in pretty well with those classic oh, horror man. movies of, you know, of the universal horror, you know, but brought into this more action-oriented superhero movie at the same time. Like I'm glad I do think it's innovative. Yeah. Um, and innovative doesn't necessarily mean a good or a bad thing. People no. people give it a positive connotation quite a bit, but innovative just means that it's new for the time. Right. Or it's ahead of its time. I do agree with that. 
Um, but I, I don't know. Yep. Darkman 4. Universal and Sam Raimi are, have started talks about a sequel. That's a year old, though. So yeah, no started idea. talks means nothing. Started talks. So, yeah, started started yeah. talks means Universal's like, well, we're out of ideas, literally, because we've we've run our franchises into the ground a little bit too much. Yeah, I wonder if so it's like a, to go back to an original. I wonder if they have to consult with Sam Raimi since it was his creation to make it. I, well, if he owns the, if, he, if I don't know he if he owns, owns the rights to it. Yeah. Regard. Well, he didn't direct the uh, the two straight to dvd sequels no. although i guess if if sam raimi had owned the rights to that he could have given them permission whether or right. not he was attached to the project but if he owns the rights then he, then they do if he doesn't then they don't right so obviously maybe they're just grabbing him because they figure it, it'll be a success if if they grab him for the film yeah well I okay who the, owns the rights for it, <laughs> another thing that's <clears throat> I like in this movie. So obviously, okay, you have Francis McDormand, who's his love interest in the movie. And um, he, after he blows up and his skin gets all scarred, she thinks he's dead because everybody does. There's a funeral and everything. And yeah, apparently they found just parts of an ear. Yeah. And so he ends up in the hospital and it, it kind of feels like the beginning of the hospital scene in Spider-Man 2, although it doesn't go like... Why do they level. put him on something that spins him? I don't know. I don't know. But basically, they established that he can't Those feel seem any like terrible doctors. Yeah, he he. They severed his nerves so he can't feel anything because otherwise he'd be in horrible pain his whole life. Yeah, they seemed like awful, like unethical doctors for sure, based on everything that they were saying. She literally says he can't feel anything and then pokes him with we're, a needle. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going. We're going to cut off his his nervous system from the rest of his body so he can't feel. Therefore, he'll turn into the Hulk. Right. Well, and is, so they they said is what I got. From yeah, that. he'll have in, there might be increased like rage and strength and stuff to make up for the lack of feeling. I guess was their justification. Which man, those doctors suck. <laughs> what they do, and then I think it was it felt like it was broad daylight, and then by the end of that scene, it was a thunderstorm when he breaks out and he's like in the alleyway. <laughs> And uh, there's a shot where he's like, there's like a box. It's just zooming in on a box in the street and the box flips over. And it's just like he's in like a river of water. (laughs) But then he discovers that uh, he looks down the drain. Basically, he looks down the drain and he finds like he goes underground, basically finds this like abandoned place that he can set up a new makeshift lab. And then once he does that, he can start developing his own skin again so that he can make his own skin and pretend to be himself around her. Which it took him to the end of a montage to realize they took his hands when after he had been working on pro- the project for a while. Right. Did you notice that? I did. But it's honestly, though, that, that scene, it's pretty sad. Like, I feel like it takes the sincere, the sincere side of Raimi and kind of, like, lets that actually play out a little bit. Where Hannah, I was watching this with Hannah, and she was, she was like, she almost started crying in that moment because it is really sad. Like, he, he's just, like, mourning the loss of his whole life in that moment. And uh, I think that Liam Neeson has a really interesting Poor performance. Poor one yeah. made it a total of two minutes screen time. Oh, yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> um, Liam Neeson has a really interesting performance in this movie because at the beginning he's pretty normal and interesting i will say yes at the beginning i'm not going to speak i'm not (laughs) going to speak on i'm not i'm not going to speak on liam neeson as an actor because he's a very good actor schindler's list a couple years after uh he absolutely deserved his oscar (laughs) nomination but man in this movie is it rough well because okay so he's pretty normal like liam you can only do so much with with chatterbox teeth and terrible mask but 
man. But okay, but it's the, there's the a there's bad. a distinction though between when he was just himself, and then even when he's just wearing his own skin and just looking like Liam Neeson later, he acts a little bit more manic, you know, and he's got like this crazy voice. <laughs> he's kind of talking in the whole time, and he's like, yeah. take, take the elephant." <laughs> no, he he's basically playing Harrison Ford in that moment. <laughs> it's just really funny though, because he's just he's trying to win her an elephant at the carnival, you know, but he's you know only what? has take like he only has is a, is, <laughs> take the take the fucking elephant yeah. is a good quote. I will give you that. Yeah, and uh, he. Like, it's got that really bizarre kind of cut where he's, like, got rage going on. And it's just, like, has, like, these, like, crazy, like, effects and the screen's tearing and it's stuff. Basic, it's basically when when uh, when the, when the Beatrix Kiddo from Kill Bill sees one of, one of her arch nemesis, but, like, a little bit weirder. Right. Yeah, and it, you get, it like... It plays the whole... Bam, bam. Yeah, he has like a clown hat on and <laughs> the points and his head's just floating. Yeah, he's got a that, clown hat on. Weird. Yeah, there's weird stuff in this movie. Like when he like has like no, the no, this movie like, is pure weird. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. This, the, yeah, yeah. It, it has a lot of strangeness in it for sure. Uh, <laughs> and so and you get like the classic Spider-Man stuff too when he's like designing his suit and everything and like at his lab trying to figure stuff out and you get like just individual elements just like floating across I, I literally the wrote down i literally wrote down the power of the skin in the palm of my nose <laughs> at, at for the first little bit i was like okay cool doc ock but skin yeah interesting so yeah and so he's just it's just it's a weird movie it's a weird movie for sure he's got a little quasimodo little phantom of the opera kind of going on with this yeah, whole like phantom of the opera plus wolfman plus uh invisible man plus batman plus quasimodo he mixed all that together and had <laughs> sam raimi write and direct this which which i don't, I don't know about that, you but what you just they... described sounds absolutely incredible to me and kind of does perfectly <laughs> define why i love this movie and why you and maybe you didn't would think i would love it but man <laughs> man did i not love this movie. well and then it, it really plays up the whole i like the whole um him putting on other people's skin is such a unique kind of twist on like a but hero you character it such a horrible plan though oh the planning is not that great doesn't make any sense. like there's a point where he's he, like he, he, about to he go put, in he puts on durant's skin so that yeah. he can hold up a, a gas station look at the camera and say my name is durant robert durant it's ugh. robert g and then durant. nothing happens to him from that he <laughs> he gets arrested and then immediately gets set free Right, but then he's trying well, to go into that Chinese place that they're getting the that he's getting the money from to to, to, do, to do what? I don't mess up their operations. I don't know, but uh, fund his own experiments. That's the best way to. Oh, but, that's the best way to do that. But he looks at his watch before he goes in. And he's at like ninety minutes. He has nine minutes before he goes. Yeah. Into so the place. so so let me get this straight. So he synthesized the skin for Durant. He robs a convenience store. He somehow finds a way to get a ride from the henchmen, go over to the place where like a deal is happening, and does all that in the span of ninety nine minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I feel like the convenience store was a separate instance. He he probably had multiple sets of skin for him to use. But then immediately afterwards, it it. Either way, he's not using his time the best way. He could. Sure, the show of <laughs> the show of time is not there though when it comes to the movie because it's it's daytime it's daytime it's daytime it's daytime the whole time and it's just the convenience store then it goes immediately to it's like a it's like a shot to shot 
Robert Durant, and then, yes, my name is Robert Durant, and then he gets handcuffed. Right. So I don't know how much time happens between that. But how does it take 90 minutes for him to put on skin, find henchmen, and then go to Chinatown, which I guess it was. It was like a... Yeah, something Of like the that. same city. I yeah. Just, no, the, his plan is stupid. His plan is stupid. I, I completely agree. It's a dumb plan, and when he sees he only has nine minutes left, it's like, okay, you have enough time to escape, is what I think in that moment. Not like you have enough time to go through with the most crucial part of this plan. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, yeah. If his point was revenge, he would just have revenge. He wouldn't do all of this just to like wound their finances. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense. But so you get him. Yep, continue. So eventually, um, Francis McDormand kind of starts dating Strack, the CEO. And that's kind I of. I didn't get that at all. Like, well, because they started dancing at the thing. And then they're like, I have been seeing somebody when he asks her later after he reveals himself. And so, yeah, there was. There, there's a. That, that feels like the most awkward relationship. That ever. was weird. because I, I don't get that at all. It's weird because it starts off with her, like, questioning him about his unethical business practices. And I then, didn't I didn't get even a little bit that she had feelings for him. No. And then they start dating, so... like, off screen. <laughs> and then that implies with, that with, she went and, there to all right. Yeah. So they so they start dating off screen, and the only mention is uh, there was someone. There was someone, and then she goes to him, and uh, he she basically break off, like tell her that um, Westlake is back and that he didn't actually die, which then tells him, oh, uh, which eventually you know gets. Is this is this the scene where the literally the paper? is on his desk. Yes, so the paper's on his desk with the coffee stain. <laughs> so so he he wanted her to see it, right? Cuz I don't know. Like yeah, I think um... so. <laughs> Didn't they have an appointment? Why would you have the paper that you I, need? Yeah, I think her he not wanted to see her to on see his it. desk. And then so that he so that he could open up the blinds and be like, "By the way, as you were walking down the street, you didn't see this." And then unveils yeah. five built <laughs> That this whole this whole movie was about five buildings, but by the way, they built them quick. Oh yeah, absolutely. They were like crushing that. And <laughs> the green screen was terrible there. I don't know if you noticed. I, like, oh when, yeah, I did. When, when Durant comes back in, and and also if you focus, go back and watch it. When you focus on just the cranes, they're spinning. Yeah. They're just they're just spinning 360 <laughs> degrees the whole time. They they're not stopping. Like there's things attached to the cranes, but they're not stopping. They're just spinning yeah. <laughs> for about 35 seconds. Well, yeah. Which man, after a... realizing oh. Westlake is alive, he sends basically Durant's guys to follow her because he assumes that she knows where he is, and he's exactly right about that. So then they encounter him at his secret lair to try to like, you know, kill him again. <laughs> So you get rid of that loose end, I guess. Can we talk about the line, uh, I've got good news and bad news. Bad news is Westlake is still alive. Good news is your wife is dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, he says. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird line, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Man, the 90s really thought all corporation men were like frat boys in their 20s. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that might be true. Still do today. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so you they're get much them... more manipulative. They're not. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 not like yacht boys all the time. Yeah, well, you get them infiltrating his like raiding his place, which kind of makes me feel like part of the ending of RoboCop is a little. So bit so Julie led them right. Yeah, she leads to him, them right so. to him. 
And so then they're all shooting him up. There's lots of great explosions in the at, at last parts of this movie, like really great, like movie explosions. I'm like, that's where they put their budget right there. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, it feels like 10 million of the dollars went to yeah. like the explosion of that building. Yeah. Cause you can see the shockwave and everything. Yeah. And then you get the, in that scene, you have oh, the, oh, yep. the one guy no, um, no. and he, he, so he takes out the one guy and then he puts a mask on him. <laughs> But he, he puts his, yes, he puts he, two masks. He on puts him. two. There's a double. He puts two masks. No, on I know it, it's we, a can, double oh, mask sorry, reveal. That's not what I want to talk about. But can we talk about <laughs> he? He walks up to the blonde-haired guy. I'm gonna call him Fabio because I don't know his name. His name's Smiley. He walks up. All right, sure. He walks up to Fabio, and he <laughs> he he is wearing Fabio as a mask. Yes. To walk up to Fabio. Yes. After the double mask right. reveal All of right. the guy, because he has his own face <laughs> cool. on him, and then he has a different face on yeah, him. Yeah, he has his... So, yeah, so he has his own face, then he has his face, and then he has, like, the real... His his actual face. Right. It's, so, a, it's a double face... Double mask face reveal. And I will yeah. say, this is... Um, you, this is a few years before Face Off came out in 97, and it's before Mission Impossible came out in 95. I'm going to tell so, my kids this was the real Face Off. <laughs> so this is the real Face Off, and they Mission Impossible, I don't know if it was in the original series or not, but <laughs> the face mask stuff is a big part I, of it. I have no doubt it is, but I mean, this made it all the way to Winter Soldier had Black Widow doing the same thing, yeah, so I think yeah. it's just a thing that... Face, a thing yeah, that using other people's faces. Using great. other, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yep, it wasn't, it wasn't just... Uh, Arya Stark. It was it was literally everyone before yeah. this. Yeah, which this all leads into an insane like helicopter highway. Shoot, chase. I should have made the joke. I'm gonna tell my kids this was the real Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, yeah. So because he gets there's like the hook on the helicopter, and he's like dangling from it as the helicopter is flying around, and they're trying to shoot him off of it and everything. <laughs> when it comes to action sequences, I, I like the helicopter chase. The whole chase is great. Like like I said, top notch movie explosions. Like you, they're like they're real explosions and everything, and yeah, it's all really well done on that whole chase. Um, the only thing I don't like, and this is a Sam Raimi like specialty, is like sped up footage, uh, close oh, to the ground. That's the, the like, cranked like, footage, and you can yeah yeah the 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 cranked footage like, and you can see it when um when when Dark Man like. This is way earlier, but the first henchman that he kills, he he flings up from the uh, the manhole cover, and it's just like very quick shots of like sped up cars, right? Like, dodging and yeah. weaving. It's kind of that thing. I don't really like that kind Which, of shot. That guy, sure. that that henchman's name is Ricky, and that's played by Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi's brother. That's 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 a very Raimi thing to do. Yes, Ted Raimi's a which Pearson the the, uh, the opposite helicopter right. dude, uh, the the black guy in the helicopter barking out commands. That was Bruce Campbell's voice. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Interesting. Which Bruce Campbell then does show up at the end of the movie. <laughs> yep, he's the last face. <laughs> the last face. That that should be the next Dark Man. The last face. Honestly, though, that's a lot better. Like that's for like the final dark man. Then die, dark man, die. I agree. Yeah, that's um, that's that's an easy one for me. I mean, the sequel naming definitely leans into like the campy quality. Return of Durant and die, dark man, die. But I, yeah, it's, I, I, it's very die hard. I'll probably watch them at some point, but I don't. I'm not rushing to do it. That makes one of us. 
Yeah, <laughs> but and then after that, so you get that once again before Mission Impossible, you get him like attaching a hook from a helicopter onto a fast moving vehicle going under a bridge, and the helicopter just. I haven't blows seen Mission up. Impossibles, so I only know that from this movie. In so, the first yeah. Mission Impossible, that happens. Suck it, Mission Impossible. Yeah, this one it just hits the top of it and blows up. In Mission Impossible, it actually ends up in the tunnel. <laughs> but so yeah, that's the end of Durant there, and then. He pretends to be Durant and goes back to Strack, <laughs> and then Strack like captures I'm, him. I'm, yeah, and brings takes them up. up to, brings them up to a high rise, which the whole thing was like, "I'm gonna do my evil speech now." Uh, by the way, my my father used to bring me up here. I'm a master of steel and high rises, <laughs> right. and it was not brought up at all. It's like the most character development you got in the whole movie was him telling Absolutely, this. Yeah. Like just me and the Indians up here. I, Nobody else I was crazy assumed... enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I assumed when when Durant died, I was like, "Oh, cool! It's the end of the movie." I I looked at how much time was left, and like 35 minutes. Ah, uh, what is what happens then? Because Strack has two like two and a half scenes, and they make him the final bad. guy. All right, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, he. I mean, he was the one pulling the strings the whole time, and then they put him in an environment where somehow he has an advantage. <laughs> Um, otherwise he okay would not somehow he has an advantage you're right about that yeah yeah and then you he's, get like he's there, there's some incredible he's not stuff. working on the high rises why would he know yeah like we've mentioned some bad we've mentioned some bad green screen stuff though and this seems actually i think pretty convincing like overall like it's them because being it's on dark dude partly it's yeah it's dark <laughs> But it's it, the same thing that Pitch Black has going for it. In the in the day <laughs> scenes, the the special effects are pretty bad. In the night scenes, the special effects are a lot better. Lighting does that, which this movie could have. This movie's special effects would have been a hundred percent better if it had all like been done at night. I know. I mean, there's some really actually incredible makeup effects done, especially for Darkman himself. And whenever you see, you get. A I'm not bit... talking about makeup effects necessarily. I'm talking about like the special effects, like everything but the helicopter scene would have been infinitely done better. Like the first, I I talked about like the sped up footage from, from the thing, but the, the effects of the, uh, what was his name? Rick dying via manhole cover and truck. That looked a lot better than most of the effects during the daytime. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I really and respect it's called that. dark man. I know. Yeah. I really respect that. Raimi always does have like daytime action scenes and those are usually a highlight. And then here I do still enjoy that aspect of it, but I, I have to agree that once again, I don't again, think that helps the movie. Though. It doesn't make very much sense for it to all be taking place during the day for the I'm, most part. So when, I, whenever I talk about a, a director's, uh, the, the reason a director does something it's for the movie, for the movie at the time, it doesn't help the movie now. I think it I think it hurts the movie because of how dated it is now. That's that's my sure. that's my proof of the matter. Sure. It would have looked a lot better when it was all dark and it's called Dark Man and the the plot point of the skin being able to hold itself while being in the dark makes a lot more sense. It's that's when you set things up to pay them off eventually. Yeah. And they don't do that at all. No, they don't. The whole skin synthesis thing, it's literally you could buy a Holly a halloween mask and have him wear it that's like a halloween mask of durant and that's essentially what it is right There's... except it actually looks convincing and good <laughs> well that's true but he could he could just be he could just be a molder or like someone whose job it is to make halloween masks he could just be 
good at that and it wouldn't change a, a thing in the movie i don't know i feel like that goes back into like the very comic booky kind of aspect of it though with this new scientific technology i mean i think it makes it make sense and makes gives some unique angle to the character i don't know if i would have actually bought it but it doesn't it do very older. much with it i think it does a lot with it but it doesn't use it in a way that is logical by with the whole photosensitivity angle <laughs> but once again that's just like a how much does that matter to you? And to me, it doesn't matter a lot. I think it's kind of the silliness of it enhances my enjoyment of the movie overall. Although I do recognize it doesn't make the movie better, but there's some stuff like in that, in the finale though, too, just with stylistic choices and whatnot, like you get um, Strack or yeah, Strack, he gets the rivet gun and he's shooting at him with the rivet gun and you get a couple of point of view shots from the point of view of the rivets flying towards yeah. dark man and the ones that are missing him and then he gets shot in the hand with it and then he ends up getting the upper hand in this scene no pun intended <laughs> by uh ripping his hand out off through the rivet and punching him in the face just like which something. he doesn't feel anything that makes sense right right like he has no ajax pain. from deadpool he's good right. he, yeah he's got no sensation right you just yeah you get some oh, it's so good i just love that stuff so I wish much they had gone in, more into that yeah like the whole no pain thing they could have yeah once again i'm not saying this movie like i've said the whole time really. this does feel like this does feel like it's got like that origin movie i I don't know what word to use but it's it's like for batman begins it's like for not not, not necessarily the first iron man but maybe the first spider-man where they can't really go deep into the character because they have yeah. to set him up and they don't really set him up that much in this movie yeah, like he they, has the person that he loves and he wants to be with her, but he's horrible. But like he's just he's disturbed by. He's the angry he that he lost his hands for a total of five seconds. Then he's just going on, going on adventures like very revengeful, fueled, weird things that he's doing. And, yeah, and then he gives up the thing that he loves the most for I reasons. Mean, I think, I and mean, I think the more familiarity you have with some of those, like classic monster movies and the more like fondness you have for that style of movie the more you're gonna like this because it does kind of tap into that like i said phantom of the opera or hunchback of notre dame yeah this movie does do like better stuff. the the whole so the thing about deadpool and deadpool 2 uh and deadpool ryan reynolds well deadpool is not ugly he's just ryan reynolds with like no hair and a little bit of blisters uh, in this movie, he's he's ghoulish. Oh, he's he's, so a, he's really gross. They, they do they do that a lot better. Yes, because in in Deadpool, it's like, oh, I'm so, I'm so scared of what she'll think of me, dude. You just look like Ryan Reynolds. You're wrinkly and bald. Yeah, you're wrink you're wrinkly Ryan you're Ryan Reynolds in forty years. Sorry, yeah. he's just the raisiny Ryan yeah, Reynolds. Yeah, in, in this movie, I can see it, but I still don't understand why why he why he gives her up purely because like what he's ugly because he's got the skin synthesis the synthesis thing. He hasn't he figured it out though, and he's pretty horrific looking. I'm not gonna lie, but he's he literally has the tools to for every twelve hours of the day be perfectly fine. That's yeah. more than most monsters. Well, the, that maybe maybe that would have been something if, like, let's just say hypothetically, there was a sequel to this that Raimi had made rather than just like the okay. straight to DVD nonsense. Maybe that's something that they could have explored more but, there. Okay, but... but they do bring back the characters though. This is all hindsight, of course. Yes, yeah. but I, like I said, I have no context for those movies, though. But I, I yeah, do I think that's something that could have gotten explored, and this does have a lot of like origin movie kind of things in it. So I, yeah, once I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with that. 
Yeah, it's that typical like origin movies are typically not the best movies in the in the franchise because they have to set so many things up. Yeah, they have to follow. Although I will agree, structure. it doesn't set up a lot of things in this movie, so maybe maybe it benefits from it. I don't know. <laughs> I would have to watch the second and third movie. I mean, it's a ninety straight to DVD. Straight yeah. straight to DVD. Uh, the track record for straight to DVD movies are pretty pretty. No, not good. I imagine they're so. pretty bad. But uh, it's a ninety minute movie. It's not long, so. It's like you get the trade off there with it being the kind of stylistic campy movie that it is. Would you want to have more time in there to get more character development or would you? I kind of like it the way it is, just not needing as much character development and just kind of, like I said, having a goofy grin on my face. the whole. Time. For me, I'm always of the mind if the movie can entertain and hook you, but also give you like things that your brain likes. Like if if this movie gave you thirty minutes of what you enjoy, you would absolutely not care that it's an hour long or two hours long. Oh no, for sure. I guarantee that. You it, you're phrasing it kind of that character development, like thirty minutes of extra character development, is not going to be enjoyable. But I think thirty minutes of character development done well and in an entertaining fashion can be enjoyable. So do you think that this movie deserves its status as a camp classic or do you The think... whole the whole deserves thing I don't like. When it comes to deserving, I can only look to awards and that kind of thing. What people enjoy and what people like, I can't speak to that. Is it good? I don't I don't think so, but I'm not going to stop people from enjoying it. I would never tell somebody you can't enjoy the room just because it's right. bad. If somebody legitimately was like, I think The Room is actually the best movie I've ever seen. It's really great. I would absolutely stop them in their tracks, probably punch them in the face. I would never do I would that. tell them that. I would, yeah, I would tell them I disagree with them. They are absolutely them. wrong. Well, I would tell them I disagree with them, but all respect to them. Mm. I don't care. what If you like it, that's great. You know? They like, get to live for now, but yeah. man. You saying this isn't good. I'm like, I, I figured that you wouldn't like it. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You're going to a superlative there. So if I if I say if you say this movie is good, I'm I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to argue with you, but I'm not going to stop you from holding your opinion. Right. If you say if you say this movie is the best movie ever, I got to stop you right there, and we've got to talk about that. It's one of my favorites, but I'm not going to tell you it's one of the best movies ever. Favorites doesn't mean best movie ever. Yeah, there's a big difference between favorite and best. There's a huge there's a huge difference between what is the best or what is the greatest movie of all time and what is what is what is your favorite movie yeah and like i said before unlike the room or troll 2 or other like movies that are so bad they're good i genuinely think i bring those up because they are not the worst movies of all time the room is not the worst movie of all time oh yeah i mean the worst movie of all time nobody's seen because it's probably like a you know only three yeah if you take in, if you oddly enough our most subjective thing is impact but if you take into account impact on some of the worst movies ever made yeah i think there are some the reason i don't think this is good is because it feels like it's written by a nine-year-old yeah i really enjoy the craft of the movie though like the sensibilities and the craft of the movie i really think do elevate it to something that i think is quality but i understand that i agree with some of that yeah and i would say the uh, I would have liked this movie more if the writing was done better. Okay, well, do you it's get not just the visual. Yeah, it's not just the visuals is the reason I don't like it. It's everything altogether, and the fact that I was disappointed that Sam Raimi's very very good tendencies weren't brought up by a good story. All right. Well, then let's That's get why. into the scoring then. Yep. All right. For me, writing for me is a one but i know you're gonna argue for a pretty strong oh absolutely not because i still i enjoy a lot of the lines and everything and i 
but I get what you're saying, so I will acquiesce to your zero. There, there, there is some good dialogue. I, I agree, but most of the dialogue is garbage. The plot doesn't make any sense at most points. Um, it detracts from the characters, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, writing is the thing I mo- I feel most strongly about. Yeah, I know. The, so I'll, I'll acquiesce to your zero. Um, world building. I'll give world building a one because I think the ideas are really interesting and I like the context of the city and everything. However, it's not great. Like, I'm not going to say Ex- it's great. Expound because when it comes to the world building, all I can think of is Strack's whole plan, like for, for literally world building is basically two lines of dialogue. Yeah, but it's that kind of thing. I and guess just, I like, I like the whole concept around, the, I like the I like the visual setup for the world. I like I the visual setup, and I like the whole concept around the you know the gang control with the corporate setup, and I like the skin replacement stuff with the science angle to it. It's very graphic oriented stylistically, but it, it I think it works well enough in the movie. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. I'm not going to say it's great. I'm not going to argue for a two here, but. I think it is good. I would. I would. I, I actually agree with the one because I, like I said, the visual setup for most of the things it doesn't go into in any detail. Uh, visuals can only do so much, but yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say it definitely feels like a world. Yeah. So yeah, a one. Um, characters. I know that you're gonna say zero on characters. <laughs> However, okay, I think I agree. I think the characterization is stronger than the characters themselves. So this is the this is the first time that we have to go into what is the difference between writing, characterization, and characters. Well so a characterization character, I think characterization would... makes makes characters. Because well, if you just have a character written down, it's not a character until you characterize it. Well like the guy who's hopping on one leg though, you know, like that's a memorable character to me. That's not a character that's in any way well, fleshed it's... out. It's just kind of a background detail and it's, a joke it's but... it's a comedy piece right it's yeah it's comic relief it's basically c-3po with no lines yeah like strack is not a well fleshed out character strack is the worst character in this movie <laughs> but i think that the guy playing strack kind of plays up the character well to the point where you're like you're Wouldn't excited to see though? him fall to his death you know because <laughs> his right because his writing is terrible he he plays he plays a frat boy from 1990 that's what i'm saying uh, though I, i'm distinguishing that i think the characterization goes more into acting okay and even so, directing than it does the specific character writing itself i i partly agree but when we're talking about characters we have to talk about them as a whole um i'm sorry but the i'm, I'm going back to batman begins the way that you feel about uh rachel and batman begins is the same way i feel about julie in this movie the i mean they're very they're very similar characters they're I think very that... similar characters I think that not ju- not just because yeah. they're both uh, they're both lawyers, but well, I didn't even know Julie was a lawyer until like I I thought she was just like some administrative like person. I don't even know who she works for, um, but I don't know if she works for Strax Company or anything like that. They don't go into detail on that at all. All they do is like right. have her notice a piece of paper, uh, be Strax's love interest for some reason, and be a love interest for or be the girlfriend of Liam Neeson's character. Yes. And I like so, Frances McDormand in the movie. I think she brings a good, you know, she's definitely the, the best actor in the movie. Yeah. I don't think that's saying much to me, but 
sure. I think I the difference is is that that I mean, Darkman isn't a movie that I think is taking itself very seriously, whereas The Dark Knight is, and she stood out the most among a group of great actors, you know, doing giving great performances, giving kind of an okay performance, whereas in this one, in a very similar style role, is giving a good performance among a bunch of other actors who. Well, at the time, she was the only good actor known in this movie. Right now, uh, I mean, yeah, because Raimi was. Um, is friends with the Cohen brothers and McDormand is married to one of the Cohen brothers. And but so, she was also nominated for Fargo. So she was, she yeah. was a well-known good actress. Fargo came out after this though. Fargo came out after this? Yeah. Fargo was 95. I thought it came out in like eighties. No, oh. Fargo's 95. So, um, I think blood simple oh. had come out, but, uh, the Cohen brothers only, but had she, one or but two she movies. has been nominated. Not, not necessarily for Fargo at the time, but she, she had been nominated before. No, I don't remember. Or am I misremembering this? I don't remember exactly. I think I think it's important yeah. to note, but I don't think it's important for this movie. Right. Uh, God, she has four Oscars. Wow. Yeah, she. I mean, because she won for producing Nomadland. Recently. Oh, that's true. And she won for acting in Nomadland and uh, Three Billboards. That's right, Mississippi Burning, nineteen eighty nine. Yes, I knew that. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. So, yeah. so. So a year prior, so she is coming off of a very successful acting career already, ish, you could say. Right. I mean, so is Liam she's Neeson. the most well-known act actor here. I mean, Liam Neeson was well-known too. I'm trying to think of what else Liam Neeson would have been most well-known for at the I time. I don't. I prior to 1990, I don't know that he's well-known. I think, I think he's slightly seasoned, but more so as like a TV series type actor. Not not necessarily just a TV series, but like one of those one of those actors that pops up in random movies. I don't think he was well known for for a lead role. Yeah, looking at it, I think you're right about that. So I think they grabbed. Uh, I think the studio grabbed him because they really didn't want to grab Bruce Campbell. <laughs> yeah, specifically, and I'm I because of the fact that Liam Neeson was not that well known, but they wanted a quote unquote well known actor. I don't agree that they. They simply just grabbed Liam Neeson because they, you know, because Bruce Campbell wasn't as well known. Yeah, yeah, Liam Neeson. Because really Bruce didn't have Bruce a lot Campbell at this time, Evil Dead Two, he is a fantastic actor, and I think he would have done much better in this role. I, I mean, it's a. Ugh. I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of agree and kind of disagree. I think once you got to watch Evil Dead Two again, man. I, I mean, I watched it like last year, so. Got to watch it again. Oh, it's, it's great! So, I love he's it. So good in it. Yeah, I completely agree. I just for the but sake just of this him, movie, just I, him acting in that movie is much better than Liam Neeson in this movie. Oh, I'm not going to say that this is Liam Neeson's like magnum opus. This is I'm not, very I'm not, far from it. Yeah, <laughs> again, not talking about necessarily Liam Neeson. I think Liam Neeson does a poor job compared to what Bruce Campbell already has done in Sam Raimi movies. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. So yeah, yeah. So I think under Raimi. Bruce Campbell would have done a better job with this character. Maybe it's because Liam Neeson, this is the first time he's working with him. Maybe because this is not really like a movie that's ever been done necessarily with these kind of like actors writing visuals, that kind of thing. But I think Bruce Campbell absolutely could have handled it. Well, I guess I just like better. that it's Liam Neeson because it is so different for like what he's normally known for. And I like seeing him in this kind of light. It just makes him a little like i don't know i like that it's liam neeson in this movie but i get i get what you're saying to an extent yes but we're we're thinking about like liam neeson is uh the man who does taken and the gray and like the a team and or in the yeah and like other dramas and stuff more so in the 90s and everything yeah more so well probably because he 
came off of this movie and they were like, all right, let's not have him do an action movie for a little bit. Let's <laughs> let's calm down there. Let's not have him putting cones on his head. All right. So for characters, then, are we both like this is a zero for characters? I'm I'm really pushing towards a zero. Yeah, because in all of these categories, I would trend to a one, but I understand. Like, so I saying. think I think if we're being fair to every single movie that we are going to talk about in every single movie that we have talked about, when it comes to characters, action movies are going to falter because they have to focus on action and visuals sometimes for screen time over characters. Yes. And That's I think true. we have to deduct points for that. Yeah. Like if there's an because action movie that has exceptional characters, I think something like a John Wick. Then... Something honestly, something like an Avengers Infinity War. The yeah. characters are absolutely right. The characters are great, but with the, with yeah. how many characters they had to juggle, it's it's very well done. Right. So yeah, I think there there are times when action movies can have two when it comes to characters. I think it's it's uh, it's a disadvantage, but I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, character zero directing. Okay, directing. I would give a two here. However. I understand what I, you were saying before. I am leaning heavily towards a one because I have seen a few other. Honestly, you're gonna you're gonna find this hilarious. I would say that uh, when it comes to movies directed by Sam Raimi, I think Multiverse of Madness is a better directed movie than this. I don't disagree with that. So when it comes to Sam Raimi movies specifically, I think this is his worst directed one in my opinion of course um but i think it's just good i okay. can't really give the directing a great we'll drop it to a one we'll drop it to a one because i i i would give it a great because of how much joy it gives me i don't think it's technically the best directed movie or anything but i think it just it the way well a two a two is great and there yeah there the... are the Man. choices just bring me a lot of joy, so I would and say also, it's great for me. But it's it's stuck in between a bad era of action movies that I would give absolute zeros to directing. Yeah. So it it has a lot of disadvantages going for it. There are a lot of great direct. There are a lot of great directed movies of that time, like like a Jurassic Park three years later, like, um, or was that four years later? Man, did Schindler's List and Jurassic Park come out in the same year? Yes. God, Steven Spielberg is insane. I know. Yeah. <laughs> then he had like a stepped down version of the same kind of year with uh, Amistad and Jurassic Park The Lost World coming out in the same year. <laughs> oh, The Lost World. Like Man, Amistad's I, good, I, I but not I would be a lot happier good. if he had not directed The Lost World. Because oh. yeah. he didn't direct three, did he? No. absolutely. Oh, if thank, if you watched God. three recently... I watched three for the first time a couple Alan. years ago. Oh my gosh, three is atrocious. <laughs> like I, I can give I can give so many PT so many people PTSD with that one. Jurassic day. Park three makes the most recent one, Dominion, look really good. Oh, like in no. terms of from its directorial. I haven't seen standpoint. Dominion, so and I uh... Dominion's biggest crime is how kind of boring it is. The <laughs> finale of the whole Jurassic franchise, it's like, oh, it's just kind of oh, about yeah. locusts and it's dull. So the three it's is weird, a little bit more entertaining. Because I, I thought uh, Jurassic World, of course, is not like what it did. It make one? Yeah, it made a billion. Oh like, yeah, Jurassic World was a dollars. huge. It made absolute, hit. absolute yeah. hilarious money. But I didn't think much of it. I felt it. I felt like it was Avatar to me. It was just grandiose, but not really that. It was just meh. Avatar is much better than Jurassic World. I'm talking, I'm talking about like the 
I get what the first saying. one to me is very, very meh. I think the reason people love that movie is purely because of the fact that it it was so like 3D and so like grandiose. It, yeah, it was nostalgia it's... bait, hook, line, and sinker, and it got yeah. everyone. James so. Cameron has many better movies. Oh, than oh, the first Avatar. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't think it's his best movie, but I think that technologically it it stands in a weird place that i think will have way more impact than we even know it will have going forward well this movie has a significant amount of impact based on how comic book movies i i understand uh why a lot of people like this movie oddly enough because of the fact that it it reminds me quite a bit of newer comic book movies somehow yeah it feels like studios grabbed a lot from this when they really shouldn't have (laughs) um because they have no idea what to do with it and and it was it it's just my opinion of course but uh, Sam Raimi took on too much and he's Sam Raimi so how are like the new MCU boys going to or guys and gals going to deal with this better so I don't I don't yeah. see it well that's why okay. I don't have much faith in the MCU from now on yeah yeah right. back to acting back um to acting. so Francis McDormand does a fine job. Liam Neeson does a fine job in parts. I like Liam Neeson's performance. I understand I like that. the campier side of his performance, too. I think he leans into the material well. I really like what he does here. So when it comes to ADR, I know you talked about ADR and in, in network um, and how it detracts from movies a little bit. There is a lot of ADR in this movie. How do you want to put that into uh, account? Would you do that for editing or would you do that for acting? I mean, it's still... That's my only argument here. I... Francis McDormand and parts of Liam Neeson are the only actors I like in this movie. I still I enjoy all, the other all of the side characters. Uh, they, they are, but they play them up in a fun way, I think. Like all the different gangsters and stuff. They they play it up in a they in a fun way. They just feel very very like late 80s early 90s henchmen though. I mean, it's they just, absolutely it's just beyond are. the pale. It, they absolutely are, but late 80s early 90s henchmen are a lot more memorable than modern day henchmen, you know? That doesn't mean good. But I I like it. I like that. I like those movies. I like eighties action movies. And but we're ta- we're talking about like great acting here. I mean, you're right. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, because we'll we pop- we all right, we'll pop we we digressed zero. way too much. <laughs> no, no, no. I was actually going to give it a one because because of that. Okay, um, well then let's give it a one because I want the one. I thought you were going to give it a two. I, was I wasn't. To be I wasn't going to argue for a two. I was not going to argue for a two. <laughs> okay, I'm just. I'm 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 ready to fight my straw man. All right, visuals. Visuals is another one I give a two to personally. Although I understand that there's also some green screen stuff, so I'm willing to go uh, so, down to a one. So, the the dated and also the incorrect choices for like the green screen like f- f- turning cranes thing. If it's done for comedy, I get it because it made me laugh when I realized it in my second viewing. But man, uh, you could just have a matte painting behind it, and that would serve much better when it came to like, I the shot of Durant and Strack like walking from the door of the office to like the desk or like to the window. Yeah. You can see the oh, green yeah. screen like not uh-huh. move with it. So and that just takes me right out of the movie. But I love and a I, lot of the way that the movie does look in so many I agree. different other places. So I can't give it a two. Like or I I yeah. will give it a one because it's definitely ahead of its time with some of the practical effects and that yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Um Especially 1990, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so editing. Now, this is maybe the one I feel most strongly about giving it to. Because I think this is where Raimi's 
style and editing and stuff with the way that things are composited over each other, like those classic like things going across the screen and like just kind of the weirdness of it. I I feel really strongly because that's maybe the most unique angle that the movie has over other contemporary type films. I honestly can't argue against it, and I'm probably going to fight for the ADR thing with sound. Yeah. So, sure, too. All right, sound. I, I just don't feel passionate about the editing. I, I feel much more strongly about... Uh, uh, might be a little spoiler alert, but I feel much more strongly about the editing for the movie that is coming up next. Oh, okay. I will talk about that. Uh, when it comes to sound, Danny Elfman's score, I actually like a little bit better than the Batman score. The Batman yeah. score has that fantastic like title. The theme. Uh, the theme is used constantly to this day for any animated yes. Batman movie. Even so live action Batman is, movies. Sometimes. Even live action Batman movies. Yeah. <laughs> even ones not with Danny Elfman. So it's yep. a bit like John Williams Imperial March. It's just it's just now the the sound of the franchise. Right. From now on. So um, I think this is more subtle. Some of the things don't really work. I can't point to an example right now. But like I said, the ADR is atrocious in this movie. Yeah, I mean, um, it's not always the best with like that, but it works for me because the, like, he is covered in, like, his mouth is usually covered. It's not just that. Francis McDormand has some pretty bad ADR. I don't remember any of that, but I believe that you... So, I can... The the most egregious example is uh, the first Strack scene, where she says, Mr. Strack, and then goes into, like, I found a piece of paper. It's like, it's like suddenly all up in your face for the landscape shot. And then it's like slightly muffled and just yeah. a different overall sound. That plus the he wants to marry me like right before the explosion scene, clearly ADR. Yeah. So it's just those two things. Yes, Darkman himself. It and it's just so awkwardly like synced up because he's got like chatterbox teeth, right? That he has to. It's like one of those. One of those times where you you chose which hole you're digging and now you're stuck with it, kind of thing. Like, Raimi chose to have chatterbox teeth and no lips, and <laughs> right. that face, and he just kind of had to stick with it. Right. So he kind of set himself back on purpose. Um, which again, I like the I like the makeup and everything like that, but man, does the voice not not carry well? I would still just give it a one. Yeah, I'm. I'm with. You I also think Danny Elfman is like, I, I like some of his music, but man, it's it's very derivative from himself. He just oh, copies yeah. himself most of the time. That's a lot of composers. Yeah, Hans Zimmer does it quite a bit, and John James, Williams does James it quite Horner a bit. But does it a lot too. But but when you're copying yourself and it's a pretty meh score, you're just copying a meh score turning into yeah. another like middle score. You're like when John Williams copies himself. Uh, or like when Howard Shore does it in The Lord of the Rings, it makes sense because it's that motif or that same motif over and over again. But if you're copying a great score, it's still going to be a great score. Yeah. So I think it's that I think, kind of thing. I think that yeah, I kind of agree. Like I think that the Batman theme in Burton's Batman is great, and the rest of the score is good, but it's it relies so heavily on that theme. It's, I think it's insane to me. Danny Elfman has like he's got the Simpsons theme. He's yeah. got he's got the Batman theme, and yet I can't like tell you another theme that i enjoy from like the movies that isn't like tim burton well well that's i was about to say like i think that he i think that this score overall i like more than the batman theme than tim burton ones yeah 
But then I think that he outdoes himself in all of these things with the Spider-Man scores that he does. That's true. He does have a Spider-Man score. I forgot about that. I thought yeah. it was a different. I, I think yeah. I will have to give him that then. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely not Danny Elfman's best. Definitely not his solid, worst though. though. Yeah, solid. <laughs> I like Danny Elfman quite a bit because I, I like all of his Tim Burton scores and all of those. He's he's stuff. a bit like Sam Raimi to me. He's niche. I like some of his work, but I uh, yeah, it's I, just I see what you're saying. that kind of thing. Yeah. Action is our next category for this mm-hmm. movie. Um, action, I'd give a one. I think that there's a lot of actually really it's, solid there's action a lot of, scenes. There's a lot of dated scenes, though. There's also a lot of dated stuff in there, too. That like that first well. that first action scene. Yeah, like the... It's very story. strange. The, I love it, though. Like It's very strange, but I love it. But it's not like a great example. It's of not good action, Tremendous yeah. action scene. <laughs> you know, it's, it is... There's some dated stuff, but I think that... Especially, like, the highway chase towards the end. And all of, like, the second half movie of the movie, the action stuff is good. The Durant chasing after Durant scene, I wouldn't really call, like... Sure, it's an action. There's action happening. It's not, yeah. like, an action scene like you would think an action scene, so... Right. It's more so for storytelling, which I've harped a lot of right and there's like well i also like there's specific shot choices and stuff within the action that makes it stand out a bit more like in the scene where they're beating him up in the lab he has those glass cabinets and he's smashing his face through each one of them and then it like that action scene i actually like yeah some of the the shots i was a bit murky on because i didn't know what to expect going into this movie right uh but i i like the shot of it's on durant it's focused on durant and then durant asks uh liam neeson a question i can't remember his name so he asks liam neeson a question and liam neeson pops up into frame answers him and then falls back down that kind of thing and then he does the exact same thing for uh durant's talking about his his uh assistant and then his assistant with a plastic bag over his face pops into frame and then he pushes him away so I like I like that kind of shot thing when it comes yeah. to action, but yeah, it's it feels underused for him. Mm. Oddly enough, like the things I like that Sam Raimi does, he doesn't do a lot of that in this movie. I, I disagree. Mean, I think that this movie is full of the stuff that he does. Well, no, no, that, I'm but... I'm qualifying that as like the things that I like that Sam Raimi does. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. So it's yeah, he definitely does a lot of Sam Raimi isms, but right, which is what I'm going to refer to them now as. Why haven't I been calling them that the whole time? impact how do you how do you want to how do you want this to play out impact it's definitely not a two let's just get that out of the way no two two would be insane for this movie this movie made money but like i said before i don't think this movie got him any more jobs necessarily i think this movie just kept his name in the ring for things you know like maybe maybe it got him a couple like his next directorial gig like oh his last movie was a hit i'm i'm actually going to look it up because if it if it got him to do army of darkness and possibly got him to do spider-man I would fight for a one. I think it, I, um, I would fight for a one on this because I do think that this movie, like you said, stylistically, you still feel its footprint going forward into the superhero genre. Definitely innovative. Whether that be good or bad, it's, right. it's innovative. Its footprint's there. And um, and then especially, like like I said, I don't think this movie got Raimi Spider-Man. I think this movie is one of the many movies that helped Raimi get in the door to get his name in the ring for Spider-Man. But this movie definitely didn't get him Spider-Man. <laughs> Um, so yeah i would okay here we go keep keep in mind this is from looper.com but it's the first one that i saw so grain of salt yeah looper is trash but yeah okay i can look up a different one after this but i was really just looking for what i you know i'm just trying to find what i thought was was true so sam raimi partnered with a major studio universal for the liam neeson led dark man the film's titular character is the eventual persona of dr 
blah, 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 blah. On a budget just over $8 million, Darkman raked in a decent profit of $48 million. Uh, according to Bruce Campbell, so wait, they have a citation of a YouTube video with Bruce Campbell. This might be this might be the evidence I'm looking for. According to Bruce Campbell, the success uh, convinced Universal to partner with producer Dino De Laurentiis. Oh, yeah, yeah. I might be saying that wrong. For the third installment of the Evil Dead saga, it seems fitting that Ash Williams and Darkman would meet in the comic book world since their fates are intrinsically tied to one another from a commercial perspective. It, it might just be like, uh, it could be true, it could not be true uh, kind of thing, but I, I see why that could be true, because it feels like the Evil Dead series wasn't a, a raving success compared to Darkman. Yeah. So it feels like, yeah, Universal, because Universal didn't make Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2, so it makes sense they would be hesitant on giving Sam Raimi like his his franchise when he hasn't really done anything for them yet. But once right. he makes Darkman, a rated R movie that is successful, sure, I could see that. Right. I, I would say this movie has enough going for it to give it a one. Although yep. it's definitely not like it doesn't have a great impact overall, but it has enough of an impact and a footprint in the yeah, yeah. So that brings us for a total score on Darkman to be nine out of twenty, four point five out of ten. Um, so when it comes just ahead of Pitch Black, actually, I think I felt a little bit more passionately about defending it than you did about Pitch Black. <laughs> that's very that's very true. I well, the thing is for Pitch Black, and again. When it comes to rating things out of 10, I take every point seriously. I would probably rate this movie a 4 and Pitch Black a 5. 5 seems about right. So it's it's pretty close to me. I understand that's going to annoy some people that I would put a well-loved Sam Raimi movie below like Pitch Black. but I don't I, think so. I think you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people love Pitch Black too. So. Well, you have an open mind. This is the internet we're talking about. Well, yeah, the internet's going to have strong opinions no matter what. This is a very polarizing movie, I noticed. Like, obviously, people, uh, more people loved this movie than hated it, but it was either people loved it or people hated it. The thing is, I don't hate this movie because I don't hate movies for existing. I will always say I'm okay with more Star Wars movies because it doesn't detract from what was already there, except for the case of Palpatine coming back. That's kind of just distracting from the end of the original series that's kind of original original trilogy that's kind of weird to bring back but yeah like new movies existing i'm fine with i don't have to see them that's fine i'm not a yeah. purist when it comes to that however like there are there are bad movies that i kind of wish didn't exist but you know i wouldn't want them to not exist because yeah. bad movies give me perspective on what I like and what are good movies. Yeah. Out of everything that we've watched too, like I've said on some of them, like if you haven't seen this, go and check it out. This one, it's like, if this one seems to appeal to your specific tastes, this go is and very check it niche. Out. Yeah. This is, this is very niche. Cause I um, absolutely love this movie. I don't, like I yeah. said, I don't, I would never say that this is one of the best movies ever made. It's just one of my personal if, favorites. It, so, I'm I'm very apathetic when it comes to Sam Raimi because I enjoy some of his movies. I don't enjoy some of his movies. If you like Sam Raimi, if you are positive towards Sam Raimi, you will like this movie. If you are apathetic towards Sam Raimi or don't like Sam Raimi, don't watch this movie. It's just going to make you uh, dislike him even even more. <laughs> Which don't dislike the man. I I separate artists from art. I don't know him as a person. Uh, it, I just don't like some of his movies yeah yeah cool 
Well, that does it for this discussion on Darkman. So yes, now does. I would like that probably, to probably That probably didn't go the way you wanted it or no, thought it would go. Honestly, it went exactly fine. I didn't think you'd like this movie. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was hoping that you might find enjoyment in it, like in the same way that I do. I but found. I figured some you wouldn't enjoyment. <laughs> I I found some enjoyment, but I think again, if I had been watching this with friends and I could like pause the movie and tear it apart from from time to time, or like riff on riff on it, I would I would like this a lot more. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, if I were just watch if I were just watching Troll Two for like this podcast as a critical thinker absolutely not i would i would despise that movie through and through yeah so I, I understand. it's a bit like that yeah so I'm not, I'm not saying this is troll 2 when it comes to quality i would probably give troll 2 a 0 out of 10 even though we only go from 1 to 10 no we go we go 0 to 10 because we can give things 0 oh i can't wait for our first 0 out of 10 can't wait to see what it's going to be oh yeah we'll get there eventually that was what? foreshadowing. Oh, what is your next movie, Kyle? <laughs> it, it's probably not foreshadowing because um, there are some things I will fight for this movie. Not much, though. So we we talked a little bit about the Academy Awards and that kind of thing. The Academy Awards, uh, well known for a few uh, controversies. I will not bring them up because we will talk about them later. I wanted to bring up something that we can go a deep dive into some controversies about awards and that kind of thing. Okay. And I wanted to do so in a in a way that I think will make an interesting, a very interesting conversation. I have chosen Crash, the 2004 oh. movie, not Cronenberg's 1996 movie about people, you know, getting off to car crashes. The one I'd, I'd rather watch. <laughs> the one you would rather watch, yes. I'm talking about uh, the Paul Haggis movie from 2004 that infamously won Best Picture, Best Editing, Best screenplay over Brokeback Mountain, and also Good Night and Good Luck, uh, and Capote. Yeah, well, that's the that's been one that's like on the list of things to watch. Just have you not seen it? I've not seen it. Oh my god, you were gonna have fun with this. I just had a lot of reluctance to watch it because of its history. So, yeah, I, I watched it because of its history. Yeah, that that was eventually why I was going to end up watching it because yeah. Just trying to like check off best so, picture winners. Um, I, I, let me let me do a quick. De- uh, we don't need this for the for the episode. If you want to just call it quits now, I don't know where we are uh, timeline wise. Um, we're about an hour and a half. So yeah, let's wrap up the episode. All right. So yeah, that'll do it for this week for Great American Movie Review. Be sure to check us out every Thursday for new episodes. Next week is Crash Bye. <laughs>